Have you ever had a moment where you told yourself, I, I never want to feel like that again? I still remember my first time of camp. It was my grade two camp. I was six, seven, and I got so excited. It was at Underwaterworld. It was going to be a great time. And we were told before we went to camp, we had to make sure that we wrote our name on every item of clothing. Uh, so I made sure I did. And the thing was, when I got to camp on the first night and everyone chucked their jammies on and everyone was just about to tuck into their sleeping bags, something terrible happened. Uh, you see, one of the staff members came out of one of the change rooms and she was waving around a pair of undies like she was the flag bearer at the Olympics. And I was so worried because these weren't just any pair of undies. These were a pair of Charizard undies. These were my undies. And I knew I was in a bit of trouble. And at that point, you just kind of feel humiliated. There was a lot of embarrassment. And in my head, I didn't really know what to do. I mean, do I go over and just address it and ask him, do I pay for myself? You know, my undies and my Charizard undies. Or I just really want them back. You know, Charizard is a great fire dragon type Pokemon. But at the same time, I was, I was so nervous. In fact, I was really afraid. I didn't know what other people would think about me and I started freaking out a little bit. And quietly, as the staff member continued to wave around my undies, once she eventually stopped, I went over and told her, those are, those are my Charizard undies. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you can look back and just think, I never want to feel like that again? A moment where you felt embarrassed, maybe a little bit humiliated. Maybe there's times in your past that when you look back on it, you actually feel a lot of guilt or, or maybe even a lot of shame. Maybe there's things in your past that you just never want to revisit again because there was a broken relationship there. There was a, a friendship that went astray. Maybe there was a moment in your family that was just so messy. Or, or maybe for you, even there's there's bits of somebody else's past in your life, even a family members, maybe one of your parents or a grandparent that you would just hate to become your future. I think we all have bits of our past that, that make us feel just gross and messy at times. I think particularly just when we look at a hero's journey, we, we would all love to say that when it comes to challenges and adversities and the mess of our life, that, that we'd love to say that we tackled them head on like a knight in shining armor, running to slay the dragon, that we'd love to say that we tackled them like a superhero, that, that we overcame the challenge and stepped into the person that we were created to be. But it's not the case for all of us. Maybe for you, you felt like at times, or even in this season right now, that you're kind of stuck in the middle of the hero's journey and quite uh, haven't quite yet had your big victory. Maybe at this time you still kind of feel a little bit defeated or that you just haven't been able to move past that next obstacle. And we all got different ways to responding to our fears from the past as well because the last thing we want is those fears to catch up with our present. I think one of the things we can get caught up on so often is thinking that our past experience determine our future, but it's not always the case. So I guess what I want to explore today is just how we go about addressing the past and identifying some of our instant reflexes to, to how we go about trying to protect it too. Sometimes when it comes to the fears of our past, we find ourselves trying to create such a distance from the things we've experienced before that we almost build like this wall around ourselves. And these times when we experience some of the things that we felt in our past, it's, it's really easy to put ourselves in a posture of defense rather than a posture of offense. And what I mean is when you think of how you respond to fear, is your response one of fight, flight? Or is it freeze? For a lot of us who, who tend to lean on the side of, of flight or freeze, we can put ourselves in a place where our instant reflex to some of the things we experience in the past leads us to build this wall that's built around a foundation of trying to have more control around things in our life. And if it's not control, maybe for some of us, when we, when we do actually have these things that, that pop up for us, we feel an anger or a frustration. 
For others, maybe uh, your response to the fears of your past is actually based around trying to, to be humorous in front of other people. Maybe you become more critical. Maybe you find yourself being more sarcastic. I think for some of us, when it comes to the fears of our past, we actually put ourselves in a space where we don't want to deal with them. So our easiest option is to actually put ourselves through this process of, of numbing ourselves. We turn to things like Netflix, more screen time. We turn to things that we know we can do well. We, we work harder. We try and, and achieve more. But really all we're doing is, is putting ourselves in this state of just, of just feeling blank. When we have this wall that we've built around ourselves, what we're telling ourselves is to the past, the past is going to be left out here in the distance. Our fears are going to be left out here in the distance for no one to overcome because I'm going to stay behind my own wall. I'm going to stay within my own bubble and that's how I like it. I used to work at a campsite. I know one of the things that can be really helpful for people sometimes when it comes to overcoming their fears is to see somebody else do it first. Campsite I worked at had a 10 meter flying fox and and often for students who are really afraid of heights, they need to see someone go down the flying fox first before they can build up the courage to maybe take the first couple of climbs on the ladder run. So I thought, why not? Why not look at the story of someone uh, who's overcome their fears of the past so we can actually learn from them? Why not have an opportunity to actually see how somebody else addressed their past so we can learn from it? I'm gonna introduce you to that fella. And he's got a cracking story. And I think um, I think this guy's story will be really helpful for us. Really helpful more so because it will help us kind of ask this question of, of what is your past causing you to be afraid of? So who is this fella? What's his story? Well, he's got a pretty funky name. His name is Onesimus. And the story of Onesimus goes a little bit something like this. It starts off with the fact that Onesimus was a slave who stole from his master. And Onesimus is kind of on the run, right? His way of protecting himself from his past is by detaching from it and withdrawing. He's legged it away from his master. And his master has a really funky name as well. His name's Philemon. And you see, the thing is, is that Onesimus wants to get as far away as he can from Philemon. He ends up in the city of Rome, which would have been a pretty sneaky place for him to be at the time, just to hide away. Onesimus is full-time trying to Jason Bornet. Whilst he's in Rome, mixing in with all the other travelers that are passing through the city, he, he comes across one of the house jails of Rome. And in that house jail, there's a guy named Paul. And maybe over the last couple of weeks here at Beyond at Home, you've heard us talk about this guy called Paul because Paul was actually someone who once used to go around terrorizing Christians and then became a follower of Jesus when he actually encountered the risen Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that's probably enough evidence for me. If I saw Jesus after he's meant to be dead in front of me, that would be enough evidence to say that I have some good reason to believe that this Jesus guy is real. And what he said he did was real. Paul's in jail because of what he believes. And in this time, when Onesimus comes across the house jail, he, he starts to interact with Paul. In fact, a couple of days, maybe even weeks, months go past, and, and Paul and Onesimus develop this really nice relationship. In fact, Paul all of a sudden kind of becomes a bit of a father figure to Onesimus. Paul finds out more about Onesimus's past. He finds out he's a slave on the run, and he finds out who his master is, Philemon. And as Paul learns more about Onesimus's story, he realizes that he really wants the best for Onesimus. And Onesimus, in coming to realize more about Paul's story, realizes that there's actually more to life. You see, there's this really bizarre kind of juxtaposition irony between these two characters in the story we're looking at. You have Paul, 
who's one of his main kind of hobbies or pastimes was writing letters to other followers of Jesus and early churches of the time to encourage them in their faith, but at the same time writing letters to people that we can look at today in that second part of the Bible called the New Testament. There's, there's a fair few of them, double digits is what we're looking at. Paul writes these letters and he writes about the freedom that he's found in his faith. So you have Paul writing letters to people about his freedom while stuck in jail and the other side of the cell wall, you have anemone, you have anemone, you have onesimus, you have onesimus, you have onesimus on the other side of the wall and he's running away from his master. He's pretty much in a place where he should be experiencing freedom, but he doesn't feel like he has it because he's still tied back to his past. So Paul, wanting the best for Onesimus, says to him, mate, you need to go back. You need to go back. You need to address the mess and you need to address the past. So Paul comes up with this plan, right? He tells Onesimus about it. Because Onesimus in this time, we can only assume, is, is probably grown a little bit in his own personal journey. In fact, probably grown a fair bit in his faith journey as well. So Paul says to Onesimus, I'm going to actually write a letter to your master, Philemon. But Onesimus, here's the thing. I actually know Philemon pretty well. This would have caught Onesimus out as well. You see, Philemon, a big part of his story, a big part of his journey in life is he actually stepped into faith because of the influence of Paul. Paul actually knows Philemon really well. And when Paul writes this letter to Philemon, he writes it saying, hey, mate, I know we haven't talked for a while, but your slave that you've been looking for, that one that ran away from you, I know him. I've been talking to him. And I've got some news to tell you because he's coming back to you. And this is how Paul writes the letter. He starts by saying this. He addresses this to his friend Philemon, writing, It is none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Anisimus, who became my son whilst I was in chains. And firstly, let's let's just talk about the fact that, that Philemon is a follower of Jesus, but he's also a slave master. And what we need to know in the context of the culture of this time, slavery was actually quite a common thing. Uh, but in the same time, for Philemon reading this, he's finding out all of a sudden that he's like most favorite person, Paul, who has had such a big impact on his life, is probably hanging out with one of the, like his least favorite people in this moment, this person that actually run, ran away from him because he had stolen from him. And Paul appeals to Philemon saying, Phil, something has changed within this slave of yours, Anismus. He continues to write on, he says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and me. Paul says Anismus once felt useless. He felt like he had no purpose, no meaning, no value, nothing going for him. He had no real future, but now he's useful. He feels useful. Paul is writing to say, Philemon, you got to understand he's got a different lens on how he sees himself now. I know he did something that wronged you. I know that he stole from you, but he's got a different motivation. So I am sending him. I am sending him, he writes on, who is my very heart back to you. And Paul says, I'm going to send him back. And just so you can hear Paul's words to Onesimus in this time, that, that sometimes you have to go back before you can move forward. And Paul clearly wanted the best for Onesimus. He clearly wanted the best for Onesimus' future. So he pleads to Onesimus to go back to Philemon and address his past. And Paul writes on in his letter, he says, Philemon, perhaps the reason, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. 
that maybe everything that's been happening for Anismus in this time has had distance. Now, a big part of him having this distance and part of this separation, maybe a part of that plan has actually allowed him to learn more about himself and that he's better off because of it. And now that you've had that distance, now that you've, you've had that little bit of space, and maybe you can relate to this if you've had a friendship or relationship like this before where you just needed a little bit of space. Now that Anismus has had that little bit of space, Philemon, he has this renewed lens and maybe for you both, you can be closer than you ever were before. And Paul writes this almost in bold, or it feels like he's writing in bold when he says, perhaps you can be closer than you ever were before, where Anisimus is no longer seen as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. See, Anisimus's past was always going to enslave him until he actually went back to address it. His past his wall that he had built in front of him to leave his past so firmly behind him so he could just keep building upon building upon the foundation, a past that he could run away from, a past that he could build a wall to just to protect himself from everything he felt in that time, a past that was causing him to be afraid of the future. He ran away from it to avoid it. And Paul asks Philemon to take down his insecure wall of, of any anger or, or any of that control freak mannerisms that he might have over what Anisimus did to him to welcome him back no longer as a slave, but as a dear brother. As a dear brother, that's a pretty close connection. And we all have something of our past we, we don't want to be a slave to anymore, the people pleasing, being a control freak being frustrated, the moments where we have just so much anger within ourselves or at ourselves. And then sometimes it leaks out into our private world through the gaps of the walls, but sometimes we just try and keep it behind the walls. And this time it's really hard to, to feel like we can trust people with how we're feeling or how we're thinking and, and being vulnerable with people just isn't an option anymore because there's a fear that we might be judged. We might know that there's a better future for us, but in the present we're living in, when we're living in the, the, the past of our fears, our present catches up with those fears as well. And this is why this story of Anisimus and his relationship with Philemon, when what Paul is writing at the end of this letter, he says, Philemon, if you consider me a partner, if you consider me a friend, welcome Anisimus back as you would welcome me. He says, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. He says, if you owe if he owes you anything, charge it back to me. Put it on my tab. Put it on my account. And what Paul is, is really saying in this moment is actually something really significant because this is what followers of Jesus would actually call the good news message. This is a big part of what we celebrated over the Easter break was this, that, that when Jesus actually put himself on the cross, he was saying that all those things that you've experienced, the hurt, the burdens you've carried because of what somebody else has done to you, instead of pointing them back to that person, Instead of leaving that person out in the distance and never going back to revisit or address the mess with them, instead of never even seeking out the option of forgiveness because you just think it's impossible, put it on my tab. This is what Jesus said. Charge it to me. Point back to the cross. What Paul is doing in this time is literally replicating what followers of Jesus should do and what Jesus did as a model of love to others so that we can move past our past. Paul says, charge it to me. Point it back to me. Here's the thing we need to know because even for Paul, like we said, Paul has a pretty significant story. Paul used to be a guy that once went around terrorizing Christians and he did some things in his time that were terrible, terrible things. Like Paul was a serious crook for what he did. He was a religious terrorist. He'd go and take people from their families, arrest them. He'd organize them to be killed. 
And you see for Paul to step into any of these houses of family members where maybe there was a parent who was, who was killed because of him or tortured because of him, if he was to step into any of those places and say to the family, listen, I know uh, that I did bad things, but surely you can forgive me for every good reason, the family would say no. See, Paul knew that he couldn't hit the mark. He knew his past wasn't just a mess, but his past was dark. It was chaotic. He knew that he could never really move past it. But what Paul had embraced that led him to life change was literally the fact that he could point back to the cross and say, I know that there's a creator of the universe who wrote himself into the story to take upon the burdens of everything that I am feeling, everything that I felt that he knows what they feel like and who has said that you can charge it back to me. And there's moments in our past where we just feel like we're a slave to our fears, but we've actually been called to a high standard. We've called, been called to a better future. Our past doesn't have to determine our present and it doesn't have to dictate our future. So as we jump into the application part of our message tonight, here's the big four Monday that I'd love to encourage you to think about. And it kind of comes in the form or it does come in the form of three steps. And the three steps is this. The first one is actually the process of identifying your wall, identifying your wall. What does this look like? If you look at your wall and know that there's things in your life that, or, or past fears that, that you haven't addressed before, look at your wall, look at the things that you're actually putting in front of you to defend yourself or are putting you in that posture of, of defense to stop you from embracing or feeling again those moments of your past that you never want to feel again. What are the things that you are putting in place? Is there moments of anger? Do you find yourself uh, going into a micromanaging mode? Do you find yourself using sarcasm or humor? Do you find yourself becoming more critical? What's your wall look like? Identify your wall. Admit to yourself the foundations it's built upon and what bricks actually make it up. You owe it to yourself. And then the second, the second is this to actually address the past. Call it out for what it is. If you've done things that were wrong, say that it was wrong. Maybe you actually need to write some of these things down to help you identify it and help you address it. But don't just address it because you need to settle the past. Step number three. See, there's this awesome opportunity to actually point back all the things that we feel, the shame and the guilt, the humiliation, the embarrassment, all the rest, back to the cross, back to Jesus. And because of that, we have an opportunity to move on from our past. Settle the past by addressing your past and taking the steps to move on from it. Know that there's actually a heavenly father who says, I'm going to take your burdens upon myself and he's done so already so you can move on into a life and a future that was designed for you. Maybe for you, this actually looks like forgiving someone. Maybe it's actually writing up an email, just some frustration and anger that you're not going to send, but you know that you can actually talk to your heavenly father about it. Because the past is, is such a big part of our story, right? I know there's some things that we won't forget about our past because it's just burnt into our head, but we've all gone through some challenges. We've gone, gone through some, some different adversities in our own life and things we wish we could take back. Maybe it was things we said. Maybe it was moments that we wish just didn't happen. But when you think about the fears that you overcame, when you think about the people that you influenced along the way and the people you brought along on the journey, when you, when you think about the moments that you actually stepped into a new security of yourself and not just a new insecurity of yourself, then you can know that you've actually taken a step towards your future. We can't neglect our past. Our past is part of our story. And it does actually define a bit of who we are. And your story is unique. 
But the big thing that we can know is this, that when it comes to faith, faith isn't always knowing the end of the story. It's actually trusting in the one who does. So in the moments when you get so caught up in trying to figure out what your next step is, in the moments where you just feel like you're losing control over all these different aspects of your life, life, just stop and take a moment to actually frame for yourself the things you know you can control your approach to how you deal with it. Address the past, settle the past, identify your war, and know that there's actually a Heavenly Father who wrote himself in so you don't have to live in the mess of what has come before you and step into the future that he's called you to live. And the past, the the past is part of our story too, right? I mean, there's defining moments from your history that have actually defined who you are today, things that you've overcome, people who have been a part of it. But when we let our past become our fixation of who we are in the present and and when we become so fixed on on what's happened in our past that we start trying to to figure out who we should be in the future, we can find ourselves in a really messy spot. And this is what Paul says to Philemon. This is what we see in this story between this master and a runaway slave and this guy who was in jail writing letters. It's this that, that Paul actually writes about charging to Jesus, charging to God all the things that we've experienced in our life, all the burdens, all the mistakes, all the failures, all the things we wish we could take back, all those feelings and all those thoughts, all the things that Jesus experienced when he wrote himself into the world to actually say, you know what, I'm not going to let that determine or define who I am today or define or determine my future. I'm actually going to give that as a burden over to my heavenly father. It's one of the things that followers of Jesus believe that there's actually God who wrote himself into the story to actually give us a brand new starting point. And this isn't just a starting point where you actually have an opportunity to to step into a a moment of life change. No, this is like life transformation, right? This is a big deal. This is a good invitation. So when it comes to your story, well, your story is unique. You don't have to live in the anxiousness of your past. You don't have to lead and live a life controlled by the anxiousness or the anxiety around your future. Your future is the one thing that seems to be a little bit out of your hands. It's the one thing that you can't always control, right? And that's why we feel such a sense of anxiety because we feel like we're losing control. But here's the good news message in all of it. When Jesus says, charge it back to me, charge it back to the cross, we have an opportunity to overcome our past, but also settle our past by going to people and forgiving them. When Jesus says, point it back to me on the cross, What he's saying is you have an opportunity to take that anger, take that frustration, take all the things that you resent about that person or the guilt or the shame of what you've done and actually bring it to me to help you address the mess. See, your story is unique. Your story is like nobody else's. And yes, whilst we don't know what the future always will hold for us, and even in this time of uncertainty, we we might not always know what the next step is going to be. Faith isn't always knowing about the end of the story. It's actually trusting in the one who does. We have an awesome opportunity to not live a life of fear, but actually step into the future that was called uh, called out for us. And that's by taking that first step of faith, which sometimes is the most tricky step to take. But gee, it's one that could ultimately transform your life. Let's pray together as we wrap up this series. God, we do 
We just thank you that you wrote yourself into the world in human flesh as man to actually rewrite our own story. God, we thank you that we can charge to your account all the feelings and the thoughts and the brokenness within ourselves or what has happened in our life and pass them over to burdens to you so we can actually have better relationships with our friends and family because of it. God, we thank you that you actually offer a brand new starting point for our life, an invitation that doesn't just point us towards life change, but points us towards life transformation. So God, we just think of the things that we've been carrying on our shoulders from our past for so long. And Father, we give them over to you. And we thank you. We thank you for this brand new step that we can take of a life that's stepping into the calling of who you created us to be. We pray these things in your name. Amen.